I felt very close to death, honestly. Yeah. I was so scared. And I thought, oh, well, this is where I die. Like, good job, Kaylin. You really did it this time. And so I closed my eyes. hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Kaylin Otto, podcast host, and you are listening to the Unruly Travel Podcast. I say this every time, but I am thoroughly thrilled and excited that you are here, that you are taking your precious time to listen to this podcast, you know, maybe while you're doing something, maybe you're just sitting down listening to it with a pencil because you want to write down tips. However you're doing it, thank you for being here. So I'm currently sitting on my bed unpacking from the two-month road trip that I did in my van with my partner, starting in North Carolina, going across the country, hitting over 12 national parks, going to California, touring all around the West Coast, and coming back. So I'm unpacking all of my stuff while I listen to this podcast to be able to edit it. And it's so interesting to listen to this podcast and think about how I started traveling, the resources that I use, the methods that I use, and how I still use those in my everyday life and in my travels now that I experience. So this is the second part to the series, When the Travel Bug Bites. So if you're listening to this right now and you haven't listened to the first episode, I highly suggest that you go back and listen to that, where we talk about when I was an exchange student, what that was like, all the wild adventures that I went on, all the struggles that come with living in a new country where you don't speak the language. And that's a really good place to start because this episode we're going into... What happened when I came back, I decided I wanted to travel, and I started traveling across the U.S. with two or $300. So this episode, we're going to get started. We're going to go into how I worked for different things that I needed, where I slept, how I did this on an extremely small budget, and then again, all of the challenges and wild, epic, scary, and just unbelievable adventures. So I I can't wait to share this episode with you. I hope that you get a lot from it, not only the stories, but the tips and the methods that I use. Now, I have two more notes before we start this show. One is that I will now, from here on out, be uploading podcast episodes to my YouTube channel. So for those who are hard of hearing, deaf, or need slash prefer scripts, you can go on YouTube, type in Unruly Travel, go to my profile there and see the section for the podcast episodes. I have the first 
part of this series up already. The second part should be up too by the time you're listening to this, and I'm going to start going back through my older episodes and uploading all of those as well. The second note that I have for you is that if you enjoy this podcast, if you get something out of it, please share it with a friend, rate it on iTunes. It does so much for me, and it's something free that you can do. Sharing it on social media is such a big help too. Let's keep spreading the information and inspiration around. Without further ado, let's get started. And we're back. So, yeah, the next step after all of that research and just, like, brainstorming and realizing that people did things that I had no idea that they did was to get a bike. Because we had bikes at my house, but they were older ones that we had, and they were definitely not meant for bike touring. I mean, yeah, I take them around the neighborhood, and the chains are falling off just at home. So I knew that I needed a little bit of a better bike. Um, And like I said, I had only been working a little bit, and I would not do this now, but at the time, I did a GoFundMe on Facebook. I think I got $700. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Was it just, like, people that you knew? Yeah, it was just people that I knew. Yeah, that probably, like, really, like, wanted to see you do something. Yeah, I think it was just people who I knew who liked me and some random people who had been watching, you know, because I did, when I was an uh, exchange student, get into, like, taking photos and sharing a little bit, like, writing a little bit. So some people just had me on Facebook or whatever because they liked those things. Yeah. So I think I already had a little bit of like a travel community and then people I knew through veganism and people were like, oh yeah. Um, so I think I got $700 from that and I got a bike with that money and I started going to the local bike shop and asking questions and there was this one guy there, I, I can't remember his name, but he gave me one of his favorite books on how to fix your bicycle if it's just you and all these things about biking and I would just sit there and ask him questions but I remember that before I met him I walked into a bike store in Wilmington and I showed them my bike and I was getting some like accessory for it maybe a different seat that was more comfortable or something and the person's like oh what's it for and I told them that I was gonna do a bike tour and they said oh no you'll never make it on that bike. That's not the right type of bike. That's not the bike you should be using. You're not going to be able to. And I remember I left crying because I was like, oh my God, people gave me money. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I went and got this bike. It looked really nice. And this person's telling me I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. So I was very distraught. And I've seen bikes that they're like cost more than cars. I think I've seen bikes that cost more than, like, any car that I've ever driven. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, or I've ever owned, at least. Um, And, yeah, I, I, this is a good part of the story, because I I feel like this touches on a, on a running theme, where people, like, think, are told that you need, like, yeah, I mean, like, this ultra-consumer ideas of, of needing, like, the best of the best before you go on these trips and then you you go on and it's like no actually Ah, it's like that would be maybe nice but like it's definitely not necessary and it definitely doesn't make the trip no i mean people i've after i went on the bike trip i realized that people would bike tour on just bikes that they had at home that were kind of like mine yeah. That needed a lot of repairs. Like so they'd repairing stop, it along the way. Yeah, so they'd <laughs> do it along the way or they'd stop at towns with bike shops, you know. 
Yeah. Like, you could, yeah, you could do this on, you know, a bike that you put together yourself, like different parts from different stores. Yeah. Don't let someone tell you what type of bike you need. It might be need. harder. Like, yeah. you, might, you might be in a lot better shape when you... Are you. Yeah, it might take you a little bit longer to get around, but it's still possible. Yeah, it's still yeah. possible, you know. And, oh my gosh, so many people have bikes that they don't use. Mm-hmm. If you could find someone with a bike that's sitting in the garage that they don't use, or you could go to a used bike store. I mean, there's a, yeah. a lot of different ways that you can try to access bikes. You know, you don't have to go out and buy a new one to do it. I think it's also... Um, like a, another helpful resource for for people out there that might be thinking about doing bike travel is that like this, I mean this is you know contingent upon like where you live obviously like so it, it doesn't go for everybody but in a lot of places I'd say most c- cities that I've lived in um, are lived around um, have bike collectives where like people are dropping off bike parts and um and people are like just building bikes and and there's just really knowledgeable knowledgeable people there and um like kind of i guess if you didn't have the money like that would maybe be a good start to also even just learn about bike repair too yeah because that's a big part before you go (laughs) yeah like i i did one for a little bit um, like, and when I was in Knoxville, there was a bike collective there, and it was more like targeted around like helping like kids, um, you know, have bikes, like, and mm-hmm. teaching them like about like building bikes and stuff like that. So I never like actually built built a bike, although like all the tools were there and all the parts were there, um, but it was more like kind of like helping others like fix bikes and and almost learning how like while you're teaching yeah you know so I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can you can navigate that without having to have this like seven thousand dollar yeah I mean I remember when I was in that store and then I was like well what type of bike should I have and this person showed me the bike and it was like two thousand dollars it's like no way like the whole point of this is to be able to be self-sufficient and not spend a ton of money yeah so it's easy to kind of fall into that um that thing where you know someone tells you something and you get fixated on like you know i need this thing before i can do this yeah i mean Mm -hmm. and and it's kind of like these these false narratives of consumerism i feel like yeah um, that that could be really harmful yeah they creep into all of every part of our life but even in travel you know we see it so definitely i mean the idea that you have to have this one thing before you can travel is ridiculous yeah Yeah, i mean you have to have a you know maybe you have to have a passport before you go somewhere like some of those things you can't get around or very hard to get around but like the idea that you have to have this one item like a special bike a special camera a special whatever like that doesn't make that doesn't make your trip yeah makes it easier maybe it's funny because i have met you know certain people that um that's kind of like like when i they talk about wanting to go somewhere and it's like this this one like often like these things that they're fixated on you know that they need to have before they do this this trip they want to do and for me it's like you're 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 pretty young you know like maybe like you're in your 20s or 30s or even like your 40s you know it's like 
you don't need like super luxurious stuff yeah. around you to have fun and experience life like yeah you know i mean and it's not, it's, i could understand if you're older you know or if you have like um, a disability or yeah like where you and you need like you like the certain things comforts and stuff but you know for a, a lot of people i just feel it's like you know i mean the idea is to travel like and, and to experience your life like you know and yeah the best way to do it is to have the least amount of stuff too sometimes and the best way to do it is just to do it i mean a lot of people are like i'm really afraid of traveling how do i how do i do it and i'm like literally just do it like you have to start like just throw yourself out there yeah you have yeah. to start and from there it can get a lot less scary than you think it's going to be yeah i think it's interesting to um and we've talked about this a good bit and like it's important to like understand like your privilege and and how all, all these things um you know play into being able to to do these these things um definitely and this is like yeah this is i feel like this is a really touchy subject um when like a white person talking about privilege but um but just acknowledging it that it plays into everything in life and it also plays into travel yeah class race abilities gender all of these things yes yeah so I, I think it's all of these things play into it. Um, often, whenever I meet people that, like, you know, maybe come up with an excuse as to why they they can't like travel, um, and they maybe use like privilege, even though like they kind of have all those things that that like the dominant culture. Um, like they have a lot of privileges. Yeah, you know, um, it. I guess sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily apply to them. But yeah, well, I mean, and also a lot of people don't live in alternative ways already or, you know, aren't thinking of alternative ways to do things. So they can't imagine a type of travel that maybe is, you know, powered by you and your body and yeah. is not super expensive. Yeah, and I think one of the greatest privileges, I have to say, is knowledge. Like having access to it access and knowledge like um you know and it helps to 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 hear other people's experiences um and hopefully to have a multitude of people's experiences that are are like from different types of you know perspectives perspectives, yeah Um, not just like one person's perspective uh, but all, all different types of experiences. And, right. And so anyone listening to this, like if you want to budget travel, you want to do a bike trip, you want to do all these things, it's anyone's experience is going to be different than mine just because we're different people, different privileges, different situations. But you can still take bits and pieces from what people say and piece together your own type of travel. And some things may be harder for you than they are for me, or more dangerous, and some things may be easier and less dangerous. Um, so you really have to pick and choose, you know, out of what you hear and what you're willing to to do and calculate the risks and the safety yeah. measures. But I do think the idea of, like, just, you know, sharing ways that you do this and even just giving people ideas. I mean, how much I did after I just heard that someone 
did this somewhere and didn't know, like, that really put into my brain, okay, like, I want to at least attempt this, you know? Yeah. Just to see. So, that I do like spreading start. that knowledge. Totally. And then that you didn't start from, like, the attitude of, like, it's not possible because of so-and-so. Yeah, and, I, and people will still tell you that. I think someone can always come up with an excuse. For me, it was, like, you're young female alone you can't do this you will get hurt you will be taken advantage of you can't do this i mean it's funny too because then you met like you were telling me the story about how you met um a man like a (laughs) cisgendered male in mizzou missoula missoula thank you montana missoula montana that had told you um that they couldn't do it because they're not a woman and and like it would be so much more difficult which was probably the most ridiculous yeah that was the most ridiculous because this person was like yeah white straight cisgendered man who very clearly like he had a really nice car really nice travel equipment all this stuff and i remember he got mad at me he offered to buy me an ice cream a vegan ice cream and i was like no i'm good like i'm just on a budget i just wanted to meet you and hang out and stuff He's like, no, 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 I insist. Like, it's like a dollar. It was like a dollar fifty or something. And he got me, And then, so he got it for me. I'm like, oh, thanks. That's really sweet. Like, you didn't have to. And I didn't even have money with me because I probably left it at the house I was staying with. I was just biking around. Like, I biked to meet him. And then, all of a sudden in conversation, when I kind of explained what I was doing, he got mad at me and said, well, you can only do this because you're pretty and you're a female so people take pity on you and they'll help you and blah 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 see you already got me to buy you something after i was literally like no i'm fine i really just like wanted to come meet you it's not a big deal and he insisted like four times and i was like okay you know ice cream cool vegan ice cream um I could never do this, blah, 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 blah. He was, like, mad angry at me. Yeah. And then I was like, what? So I just realized, you know, he he did that thing. And then I met up with my aunt and her, some family member of hers. I remember when I met up with them, which was also in Montana, shortly after that. Or, no, it was shortly before that. Um, when I met her... And she was asking me about travel. The first question she asked me was, how many times had I been sexually assaulted? Like, you know, which I get. That that's something that you would wonder about, like, females traveling solo. But she was so sure that it had happened multiple times. And then she told me, oh, no, you can't travel alone as yourself as a female. Like, it's not possible. Even though I was doing it. And she knew that I was doing it. She was telling me that it was not possible. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know, it's just from person to person, it's like, and I feel like there's a reason why you can't do it, even if you literally are doing it sometimes. And it seems like the trend with the criticisms, like, always come from people that have no experience with doing it. And a lot of privilege and access to be able to do it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, yeah, to see, to see that play out. And dialogue, and and a lot of times too, it, it seems like I, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, but but it seems like people almost um, almost start this conversation in a really aggressive tone. And you're like, wait, where did this come from? Like I like yeah. asked the question and I answered it. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so it, it's an interesting 
conversation, I feel like, that, to, to talk about. But I guess that's just like, you know, navigating through society. You're going to upset people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just, that's just how it goes. I mean, <laughs> with that sad. guy, it could have upset him because he had spent all this money on all this fancy yeah. equipment. And then you're just doing it. And I was thoroughly enjoying myself. Really just wanted to be there just to be there. And then. Yeah. Wants to explain, like, why, like, why they're not doing it the way you are. Yeah, like, I felt like he felt some sort of, like, and I wasn't shaming him. I'm like, if that's the way you want to do it, yeah, cool. exactly. Just, you know, not everyone can do it that way. Yeah, um, almost like their insecurities or something. Yeah. You'll hear that, like, if you uh, are a female, you can't do it alone because it's too dangerous. And then males or men will be like, oh, I can't do it because people don't, people aren't going to want to help me because I'm not blah, blah, blah. And then if you're queer, it's also too dangerous. I mean, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people will tell you why you can't. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And it's up to you to be like, I can or I'm going to try. Yeah. If this is something I want to do. Anyone that I've heard that actually does try, like, and I feel like a number of people from, like, that, you know I mean, are subjected to, um, our culture different ways because of... Like, that are marginalized? Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, marginalized people and non-marginalized. I feel like, um, that have, that have tried typically, I mean, some may have more like negative experiences sadly I mean it seems like those negative experiences are going to be there regardless just because of their they are just a part of life when yeah. you travel life doesn't stop it continues just in a new place yeah definitely um, but yeah and being conscious of, of where you're at I mean like I feel yeah. like there's, there's certain areas that I know like that I, I wouldn't want to be in if I was I uh, trans or something. I got, I don't. I could. I can only imagine. Yeah. What it would be um, like to be in, be in that position. Yeah. And, you know, um, and yeah. So it's about. It's also a lot about being aware of your surroundings. Like, yeah. and bad things will still happen when you travel. Most likely. Like I will talk about it on this trip. But I had, you know like experience of being sexually harassed or like all of these things that people are so afraid that are going to happen i mean they're usually afraid for a reason but that doesn't always prevent you from doing it you know that that's a risk and you do your best to not put yourself in that position or stay as far away from it as you can because sometimes you can't control other people yeah so i think that was that was really good to talk about. Yeah. So another side shoot there. Yeah, another so, side shoot there. Yeah. So essentially, you uh, got a bike, learned how to use it, and my foot was still healing, and it was almost all the way healed. I remember getting the boot off. I was so happy, and then I probably started immediately like trying to bike. Now trying to bike on this bike was hard because the bike I had was like your normal bike, you know. And then, like, the old rickety ones that we just had for a while. Like, very, like, clunky and large and sturdy. And the one I got was, like, one of those ones that you have to hunch over. Yeah. It's, like, smooth and really fast. And I had also been told that you have to have clip-ins. So, I didn't have pedals for it. I had, like, the cycle shoes with the clip-ins. Those, I'm sorry, those are so hard. 
I know that people can do them very well, not for me. Um, and if you're trying to cycle for the first time, don't feel like you have to have them because I felt like I had to have them, so I got them. Um, and I would, I think I'd go on like max, like 10 to 15 mile bike rides around my parents, like where they live in North Carolina. I remember one of the first times with those clip-ins, I stopped at a red light. I went to put my foot down, forgot that it was completely locked in the bike and just completely fell over sideways in front of traffic. Oh, wow. And then I had to figure out how to get my foot in front of it. That happened multiple times where I forgot that I had clip-ins on, would try to get my foot out too late and literally just fall over because you're stopped. Um, so that was an experience trying to learn how to ride like a new different type of bike. I think the longest ride that I ever did was 20 miles um, ever to prepare, which I did not prepare a lot. Like other people are like cycling a lot, you know, because you're going to have some 60, like 70 like mile days. Day and I was like, ah, I was just, like, I went 20 miles once yeah. and I was like, well, we'll see what happens. So did you literally just start like at your parents' garage or something? Like, I, like they're just right outside their house. You got on your bike and left. Is that how it started? No. Well, so I also learned about wolfing through Rob Greenfield, I think. So if you don't know, if you know, but other people yeah. listening might not know, it's like a worldwide network of organic farmers, and you go, you work for them for so many hours a week, and they're supposed to provide you with housing and food. It's like 20 hours a week. Is yeah, maybe, usually. What is it, four hours a day? Or five days a five week. Five days a week. I mean, let me tell you this, it, it, that's not always what it is. Okay. I've worked like 10 hour days, like five days a week and have people still not pay for so food. So some people use it just for straight up like... Labor. Like yeah, free like, labor, yeah. grueling. So some people do exploit it. Yes. It's probably good to read the reviews. Yes. And if, if something, one doesn't have reviews or they're really poor, stay away from them. Yes. So, yeah. The idea is that it's a really good trade off, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm going to bike. I'm going to work for things as I go. I'm going to dumpster dive and I'm going to wolf across the country, which are all things I did. So we took a trip, my mom, dad, and Carmen and me went to Virginia. From your house? Yeah, from my house. With we, your bike? With my bike in the truck or van or okay. car or whatever we had. We went to Virginia. We spent a couple days there. Where at? Probably at a military base. Okay. I can't remember which one, but... Because your dad is retired... Retired military. Military. So... Air Force, right? Air Force, yeah. So we always get to stay in the trailers on the bases for cheap. <laughs> so that would be our vacation setup. So we spent a couple days... I can't remember in what town in Virginia. Oh gosh, I should have looked this up. But the Transamerica Trail is not actually a trail. Like, it's not a bike trail. It's just connecting roads that already exist together um, that you can bike to get across the country. And then they call it the trail because along it, like churches, parks, other places like that are used to bikers coming through and will host you like, you know, so it's like an invisible trail. Okay. So I thought that when I first started, I was just going to bike and see what happened. And then Gabe, you know Gabe actually. Yep. Um, must have seen that I like posted about it or something and he had bike toured and he knew of he's like oh gosh like that's gonna be so hard if you're just like Google mapping trying to figure out going down the highway 
not knowing where you're going to stay, why don't you check out these maps? So I did, and that looked like the best option at last minute. Because up until then, I was like, I'm just going to go. And Gabe was like, no, please look at these maps. And I did, and I ordered like the actual paper maps at the last yeah. minute, probably within the last week yeah. before I was going to leave. So the Trans-America Trail started in Virginia. So I found a place to Wolf that was probably like 30 minutes away from where the trail started and stayed on a farm there and um, that's how I started my trip. It was literally by the people from the farm driving me to the starting point and dropping me off. So essentially to, for me to put all this into uh, order, you went with your parents to, to Virginia mm -hmm. and then from the vacation that you had with your parents, they dropped you off at the wolf? Yep. Woofing place? At the farm. And at the farm. And then they said, see you later, have fun with your bike. And yep. then- And I cried. And you cried. <laughs> and then, um, and then from there, that was like the start of your journey. Yes. Okay, so this is where your journey starts, where like, everyone you know is gone, and um, you're just like, you're, you're now in it. Yep. Right. In okay. Virginia at a farm. And I started with a gift card that I think had $200 on it. Because I was like, I, like, I didn't really have any money anyways. Because yeah. I used it, what I had from teaching yoga to buy supplies and stuff okay. for the trip. So all the money that you had combined total was... two hundred, Like $200. 200 Yeah. $200. On a gift card. On a gift card. And as I got out of the car when my mom dropped me off at Virginia, she handed it to me and I was like, no, mom, I'm trying to do this. And she okay. looked at me with like really scary eyes and she was like, take it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they had gotten like one of those ones like that's a Visa gift yeah. card. Yeah. Cool. I'm pretty sure it was $200 on it. Okay. Um, so that was all I started out with. And let me say this, like, my parents, you know, they are, like, middle class. Um, yeah. I had insurance at the time. I didn't know I had insurance. Yeah. I could obviously fall back on them if something went horribly wrong. Yeah. But my mom did ask me at the beginning if I... She asked me before she dropped me off, like, if you call me crying and <laughs> you're, like, injured or you want to come home, like, what do you want me to do? Because I will do whatever you tell me right now. And I was like, don't yeah. let me. Yeah, like you kind of, it's, it's actually really interesting that you say that, and um, I have to say this is something that I really admire about you, that I feel like is so difficult for, for society, like as a whole, and, and, and I think within, the, within your stories, this will be a reoccurring theme that I've noticed, is that um, I feel like, our, like within our, our society and our culture, we're, we're very proud and, and we don't want to ever accept help, mm -hmm. um, you know, from from anyone. And we take pride in like pulling ourselves up from the bootstraps and like doing everything on our own. And that's how yeah. we want to. I feel like that's how like so many people want to betray their life. Um, yeah. And and honestly, if you get to know people that kind of have that narrative that they that they push out to other people mm -hmm. and you actually know them personally you're like eh, not really like like I know there's you know, a lot of factors that go into yeah, it and, and they get a lot of help but but I, I admire that you're so open about one like accepting like why like 
like, why do I have to be so prideful that, like, I can't accept help when I, when it's offered to me? Mm-hmm. Like, you're a lot better at that. And I feel like I'm learning from you, like, uh-huh. how to, to do that uh-huh. more. And two, um, like, also just, like, just, like, admitting that you have help, you know? Like, yeah. I think so many people's stories, it's, like, it's it revolves around just, like, oh, this is all me, and I did this all on my own. It's, like, yeah, I know you worked hard. Like, you worked hard, you did it. I, I just have yeah. to say that's, that's really cool. I, I think that <laughs> we cool. see, we'll see that within your... Yeah, I mean, some people really do have nothing. Yes. Like, yeah. if you are a refugee or an immigrant or something to a country and you come here... It's going to be a lot harder. It's going to be really hard. Yeah, and obviously you have a, a really strong support group, and that's, yes. like, a good thing. But I just, I think that even some people that I meet that aren't as fortunate, they're, have a, I think our culture as a whole has has a hard time with um, receiving. Yes. And it, and it almost makes it hard to, to also give. Like, we, we have a yeah. lot of time seeing how how generous people can be. Like, you have to give them a, people an opportunity. You have to give them a chance. I mean, even with, like, yeah. that ice cream story I told you, I was yeah. like, oh, this person, like, really wants to do that. Like, they're enjoying our time together. Yeah. They want to, you know. Yeah. It's not, you don't always have to turn everything down. And if you really want to live in community and you really want to get to know people, there's a push and pull. Sometimes you give, sometimes you receive. And sometimes you receive from one person and then you give to another person. It's not always in the same cycle. And I knew that before I started that it was going to be like that. Because it always is. Even if you are luxury traveling, there's still a push and pull with travel. You're going to be somewhere, you're going to need someone's help, whether it's directions whether it's a bike repair, whether it's a meal, a place to yeah. sleep, whatever. Like, that happens with travel. You can't escape that. Definitely. So I think that's... I just have to say, I have to, like, just say that I I admire that you keep... You you, you have kind of the courage to put this in, in your podcast or like, <laughs> and your speech. Yeah. That, like, yeah, like, I, you know, like, when people want to help, like... I accept it and then but there's so many other ways that you help other people too like, yeah it's push this, and pull yeah exactly so I, I just had to stop and, and just say that thank you Bob um, that's a good thing because I mean if you are going to budget travel you have to accept help sometimes totally like and if you don't it's going to be a lot harder and it's going to be a lot more painful yeah so and that's that's a, a good point a lot of ways that you can like help others too that have nothing to do with money like if someone's life is hectic like you can like help like watch the kids for them and maybe like help like clean their house like do all these different things for them to like there's a problem as a way of saying like thank you like you know and um I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can help people, yeah. too, is what I'm saying as a side to just, like, this, like, obsession with uh, with currency, I guess. Well, that's a yeah. really good transition into the farm I was staying at. Great. Because I was going to smooth over it, but that was a really good point, actually, that you brought up. Yeah. Because at this farm that I was staying at, it was not vegan, but it was marked on Wolf as vegan-friendly. I would never stay there now, but I was... You know, I'd only been vegan for a couple years at this point, and I didn't know any other vegans in real life. 
um, and the farm said vegan friendly, I didn't really know what that meant, and so they had animals there, and they would take in rescues, like they had farmed animals, and then also cats, dogs, ducks, like all these animals, and they were a soap making farm, I guess, they would make soaps without goat milk, and then they would also do goat milk, and then eventually I learned that when they were at capacity with animals, they would slaughter them and then take in new animals, which was, it was just a weird thing, okay, and it was like, they wanted me to collect eggs, they wanted me to make goat milk, and I, like, was like, I'm, I can't do these things, you know, because I told them before I went there, like, I'm vegan, these are things I'm willing to do, these are things I'm not, I'm willing to make soap without animal products. I'm willing to feed animals. And at that time, I had been around farmed animals, but only at my grandparents' farm. And I, it had been such a long time, I just really wanted to see animals in yeah. real life. Like, I wanted to see a pig. Yeah. Um, and they had a pig named Birdie, actually. We were really good friends. <laughs> um, so I was at this farm that was close to the start of the Transamerica in Virginia. And so it was run by a couple who are older. What, like two days after I arrived there the woman went to New York because her brother got sick and the person the other man that was there her partner was in the military and he got sent off for like a week to some thing I don't know what it was for work so basically within like a couple days they told me how to run the whole operation Minus the things that I wasn't willing to do. Those things just didn't get done. And left me with like probably over 50 animals. And I hadn't done animal care in a long time. Um, so I was on this farm. You know, they got me a lot of groceries before they left. And that was the first time I realized that if you scratched a pig's belly, that they would fall over. Like, just plop over sideways. Because I remember being there by myself and I did that and Birdie fell over and I thought I killed her. Um, and I was like, oh no, this is just something really cute that they do. So that was an interesting place because when they did come back before I left, there was definitely a lot of conversation and tension around veganism and using animals and stuff. Um, and they had a veterinarian who would come over a lot who was not vegan. And yeah. we really got into it because I remember I would be very like forward. I'm like, wait, you're a veterinarian, but you eat animals like you eat your patients. And it yeah. just, like, there was some tension because there was a lot of that. Yeah. And I didn't quite know how to talk about things yet either. I was, like, very direct and probably very offensive to yeah. people. Yeah, you had, like, the, the vegan angst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was there, took over the whole farm for, like, a week, and then they dropped me off at some city that I should have researched before that, but I'm going to have to include in the notes in Virginia. <laughs> um... So I remember they dropped me off and I probably cried and they took a picture of me that I actually have on my phone that I'll post with this podcast in front of this monument that is where it started. Yeah. And then they left me there. Wow. And I nice. was left again. Yeah. So now you're, now you're next to the statue or monument. Yep. Um, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Probably crying. Crying again. <laughs> Um, Another and, reoccurring theme. <laughs> and um, so now you're headed to 
where, like, what did you Across do? the country. Across the country, okay. Um, oh gosh. So I, I remember that I started biking and I had not used paper maps, like, ever, I guess. Because by that point, we had the GPS Garmin's. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even phones at that point that you used GPS on. It was the Garmin's. The Garmin's, yeah. So I was so used to that. And it, I wasn't, like, heavily reliant on phone for GPS like I am now. Like, I didn't use my phone that much. So I had the paper maps. I was trying to figure it out. And I remember, like, the first day that I was biking... It was so hot, and I remember pulling into someone's yard and sitting under their tree and just sweating and, like, dying, and I was like, what did I get myself into? And I think the first day I did, like, 50 miles, and I had never done that before. Wow. So I was, like, beat. Yeah, that's a, a, you know I mean? Definitely just kind of jumped into it. Yeah, and everything hurt, and it was hot. And I stayed at a church that night that they set on the map. So basically, you would just pull up to the church, give them a call that was written on the paper map that you hoped that was up to date, Uh and then someone would come let you in. And you were in the church completely. It was so creepy. Like, completely alone at night. Oh, wow. And a lot of times, they set you up in the nursery with all the stuffed animals that are super (laughs) creepy and weird. And, like, the churches are creaking and making sounds. And I remember they set me up in the nursery, and I was so scared because it was nighttime, and all the dolls looked like they were going to come to life and, like, possess my soul. Um, so I slept on a pew. Like, the hard... Okay. They didn't have cushions on them. Yeah. But I was also so scared, the only light I could turn... like was by the glass doors to enter the church and I wanted to be by the doors because I was so scared yeah so I slept on a pew that night and it was really uncomfortable and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the trip <laughs> but I should also mention that day actually this was really amazing there was this little market on the way that was like a couple miles from the church maybe like five miles um, and it was a family-owned market okay. and I was like all right you know because I started off with a bunch of clips bars and maybe like oatmeal or something yeah and I was like all right I'm really hungry I had my water bladder and I'm like this is my first opportunity to ask to work for food at a place and so I went to the store I had like my little speech hi I'm Kaylin I'm biking the country like working as I go blah 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 like could I work for some snacks work for a meal whatever and the lady was like oh honey oh no you look so tired and she sat me down she made me a sandwich from their deli vegan one of course and she packed me a bag of snacks and while she was doing this i like talked to her husband they were very religious though you know i think they saw it as like a weary traveler you know so he was talking to me about god a lot and all this stuff um but we did have some really good conversation i think i hung out there for like an hour But she was like totally momming me and she just gave me a bunch of food She went around the store and just picked stuff up and then she sent me on my way and she gave me her number She's like if you need anything you come back here. Oh, that's sweet So actually that was the first time when I had asked to like work for food And it was like I was like so taken back and I think that they were so sweet and they were so like mom parenty and they I think they also were like not in a 
not in a way where they're trying to trick you, but they're like, oh, this is a good chance to talk about Jesus and, like, show, you know... The generosity of yeah. religion. Yeah. yeah. And now it's on a podcast, so... Yeah. <laughs> it kind of worked, yeah. Yeah, it kind of worked, yeah. exactly. Um, but, so that was, like, my first day. Lots yeah. of crying, like, laying in people's yards, thinking, what did I do? Sprawled out, muscles hurting to free food to the creepy church <laughs> sleeping on a hard pew yeah um and honestly that's what a lot of the trip was like yeah except except i did like what i would ask to work for food beyond that i remember only one person um at one of those sub places like firehouse sub or something they gave me their free free meal for the day because they're like oh i get a free meal every day and i never eat it it's kind of yeah. gross like you just want my sub and I remember someone gave me that but the other times people like actually let me work you know so um because I'm I might be overly meticulous and a lot of this might have to be cut out because of the length no we're going um, for it but we have like literally 20 hours to drive so like maybe I don't know maybe this is maybe we pass an hour now so no we're at 41 minutes okay so we have like a little less than 20 hours of drive time <laughs> so um essentially you're in virginia yeah you did 50 miles you you um got this, these people gave you food at their little like convenience store gas station yeah kind of thing and then um from there like you're still in Virginia, right? This yep. is day two. This is day... I think this was day one. Oh, this is still day I'm one. I'm biking. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There's and, a lot in a day. And you slept... So that church. first night you slept at the church. You woke up in the morning. Still in Virginia, right? Yep. Go from there. Okay. Let me also mention at the church, the churches that you would stay with along this way. I think I woke up and I was really excited because they had cheap peanut butter and oatmeal. Like, the places that are used to bikers coming through, bikers will leave food, and you can leave food okay. for other people, and the church will have, like, really cheap oatmeal and peanut butter oh, that's or nice. pasta. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they, so the churches sometimes just will have, like, food for people. Yeah. They're like, cool. you can use our kitchen. No one's in there, and they're like, this is where the bikers leave their food. Oh, So okay. eat whatever you want out of that's here. That's really neat. That's awesome. So, yeah. um, okay, so day two, you wake up. Eat some oatmeal. Eat some oatmeal. Um, so and you then, ate some, some oatmeal from the church? Yeah. Okay. So I, this is where my memory gets a little weird. Yeah. I can't remember if I repeated like that same process the next day because there was a lot of days where it was just like that. Or if this took a turn the second day. I know that this took a big turn the second or third day. When, so either second or third day. So it's kind of like that. You're just biking. Yeah. And like... You're getting your food. You got your food from a church. Like, do you remember where, like, the second day? I'm just... Do you remember, like, where you got your food from? Like, lunch? Well, I already had a lot of stuff. Okay. I know the second day I didn't ask to work again because I had a ton of Cliff Bars. I had already eaten at the church, and they gave me a ton of, like... I wasn't eating, like, meals a lot of the time. I was eating, like, Cliff Bars and cold soup. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. how I gro it grosses you out when I would just eat a can of cold soup? Yeah. On that trip, like... I literally ate Cliff Bars. I can barely eat them now because I got so sick of them. And, like, a lot of cold 
like lentil soup. Okay. I did not eat like I ate vegan and I and it was probably better for you than what a lot of other people eat, but they weren't like Maybe. delicious meals. Yeah. yeah. You know? I wouldn't even call them meals. Okay. Um so yeah, that's the cycle. Bike, eat what you have or work for food, sleep at a church. Okay. Repeat. Um so but it's too hazy to actually recall. Yeah, it's too hazy to recall whether this was the second or third day. Okay. There's like a day that I don't remember if it's the second or third day. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that this was, yeah, this was either second or third day. I start biking and then you start to get into like backwoods Virginia for some reason. Okay. Like a lot of it are on main roads, not like highways and interstates, but just like main roads through towns. Um, but for some reason, the map took me, like, the paper map, into Back Road, Virginia. And it said on the maps that sometimes when you are on the back roads, the signs for the roads themselves are missing. And sometimes they're on the wrong roads. Okay. And that was 100% true in Back Country, Virginia. I remember turning down roads, and there would be a pole and no road sign at the top. Like, someone oh. had stolen it. Or taking it off. Yeah. So I got really lost, like middle of nowhere. Um, and I remember like biking, like really fast, sweating because it was like back nowhere where there's a bunch of dogs off chains. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I didn't want to go up to any of the houses because there were so many dogs and yeah. no trespasser and yeah. flags and beware of dog. And it was like wooded. So it was like, not, you're not going to flag anyone down. Um, so I would never do this now. And obviously a very privileged thing to do, but I didn't have any signal when I called the police. Okay. I would never do that now. Yeah. But, but I, mean, I did. At the time. I was young. And it, it probably helped you. It did. Right? Yeah. They, so some on the phone, they were very confused. And I didn't have any service, but your phone can let you, like, emergency call 911. I don't know yeah. how that works. It was very hard to hear. I was trying to explain. The operator was very confused, so I think they just sent someone out. <laughs> so this guy pulls up in a police car, puts my bike in the back, puts me in the back, like, with my bike on me or something, <laughs> and then drives me to the closest interstate. Oh, gosh. You're not even... I think it's illegal to bike on the interstates. Yeah. Or highways. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. But he literally left me, like, no choice. He literally just, like, was like, well, this is the end of my jurisdiction. And let me go at a gas station that was right off the highway okay. or interstate or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, well, I looked at the maps. I was so far off from where I needed to be. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is the quickest way. I'm not going back there. Yeah. So I remember I got on, it was like what we're driving on now, which is the interstate, right? I got on the interstate, like over in that tiny lane, on my bike, like clipped in, like I fall over a lot. Oh God. Like biking down the side of the interstate, not knowing where I was going. So actually that was the day I pulled up to that firehouse sub thing. Okay. And I was like, oh, can I work for food? And the person's like, this food's gross, but I'll give you my sub for the day. So I had a free vegan sub. And then there was like a shopping plaza on the other side, like Lowe's, Home Depot stuff. Uh -huh. And they had a lot of outdoor furniture outside. Yeah. 
wait a second okay that was over there but before I got over there I was like kind of exploring the side roads because I'm like where am I yeah um again I didn't use like phone GPS a lot and I sat down in someone's ditch under a tree because I was just felt so defeated I'm like this is the second or third day what am I doing yeah and I had tinder at the time and I had notifications on and a notification popped up that this person had sent me a message his name was Hayden and I had my, like swiped on him like to accept him or whatever because when I saw him it was like four pictures of him together one of him on a bike one on a canoe one like jumping like all these action shots you know and like tinder will hook you up with people who are within so many miles of you yeah he sent me a message at that exact moment and said oh you're doing the trans america trail i did that like he had already done it and yeah. he was like my age yeah and he literally sent it to me as i sat down on the grass okay. like all defeated so i messaged back and i was like yeah like i'm doing it now and then he was like how's it going I was like, honestly, I'm sitting by the side of the road. I already called the police. It's only my second or third day. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is kind of awful. Like, this is not what I expected. And he was like, oh, where are you? And I told him, he's like, you want me to come pick you up? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Please. So then I went over to the Lowe's thing, and I sat on, like, probably for, like, an hour. I lounged on their outside furniture. Yeah. With, like, my crummy biker body and my bike and then I remember he just pulled up in a truck he's like are you Kaylin I was like yeah are you Hayden he's like yeah I'm like please take me somewhere and like put the bike in the back of the truck um and he lived near shoot what's that place in Virginia that's really popular um Richmond yes near Richmond like like I remember it was like an hour to his house that he it was like an apartment you know he's like a college-age kid and shared it with two other guys and he first like when he picked me up he took me to his house we dropped my stuff off then we met up with his girlfriend and we all went out and ate sushi I remember then we went to a big field and we played football that's cool for some reason and then like a relief yeah feel safe and yes yeah and the whole time he was like you know like i was asking questions because he had already done the trans america trail he had already done a bunch of stuff he had um long boarded down the coast of australia like you know whatever and when he uh, did the trans america it was because he someone bet him a dollar that he wouldn't do it and he did it that sounds like a like a college yeah like Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was, like, a dollar or a penny or something ridiculous. Um, So he was just, like, very active, like, very into all these water sports and stuff. Um, So I remember just sitting, like, with him and his girlfriend for a long time, like, talking about all this stuff. And then I, I was like, okay, I got off the trail. I need to get back on. I need to do this whole thing so I can say I did it. And I pulled myself up yeah. from my bootstraps and I did it. Yeah. Um, and he was like, well, why don't you, like, relax for a second? Like, this obviously isn't going well for you. You know, in nicer ways. Like, you can hang out here for a little bit. So, over the next week, it was, like, his two roommates. One's name is Carl. I forget the other one. I hung out with Carl the most. He would go to work. Sometimes his girlfriend would be over. I would just like hang out with different people you know throughout the week 
I remember swimming and then eventually towards the end of the week his sister was getting married yeah. and he was like hey you want to go to a wedding and I was like uh, yeah but I don't have any clothes um, so I remember they took me to Plato's closet and we got like a five dollar dress yeah. And I went to his sister's house and she let me borrow shoes and jewelry and stuff. And so I showered, I put on the dress. I still, I think I still have the dress. And I went to a wedding and I'm in the wedding pictures now and I had so much fun. I was dancing, you know, like living it up. It was supposed to be an alcohol free wedding, but people were getting boozed up in the parking lot. Um, yeah, it was really fun. So they like all the people in that house were so nice like there were so many nights we all stayed up talking or we went and did something random I got to go to a wedding be a part of a wedding and um, my favorite thing is that we went like this creek thing and we went like hopping from rocks to rocks and like Hayden was a super daredevil and took I don't I can remember it clearly in my mind we like climbed up a wall that water was coming down from that was super slimy and then you couldn't get back down because you would just slip. And he took me like out on this thing that he does a lot that I'm not coordinated enough to do where it was like maybe one and a half foot wide and like a 40 foot drop on each side. And you couldn't go back down the waterfall thing. You know, you climbed up that, you climbed onto the ledge, but to keep going on the ledge, there was a door, an old door there that was stuck shut that you couldn't open and go through the door. You had to climb over it on top of like a 40 foot drop with like I might be exaggerating this a little in my memory but this is what I remember like a very thin ledge and I was like shaking and almost crying because he did it no problem all the time he's like you like little mountain goat and I remember having to climb up like put my foot on the door on this old doorknob hoist myself up onto the top of the door I look down there's like a very thin ground and then a huge drop climb over this metal door that's shaking like the door was like bolted shut so you couldn't open it and just easily go through and then climb down on the other side I was I was like I'm gonna die but it was like all this abandoned like buildings and stuff that they all knew what it was so I remember it was like a day of adventuring they took me to this old abandoned building and there's pics I have pictures of us doing cartwheels on the rooftop like so it was just a lot of fun and exploring so Hayden was like, okay, I did this. I know the perfect spot to drop you back off of. So it was like an hour, a couple hours drive. Okay. And I was like, I was kind of upset because I was like, oh, I don't want to miss parts of it, whatever. He's like, well, yeah. this is the closest I can get you back on that makes sense. Yeah. And he's like, this is a really epic park. Park. Okay. So he drove me to the Blue Ridge Parkway. Oh, cool. Yes. Which is part of the Transamerica Trail. Yeah. So me with the clip-ons with all this weight was this, this is in Virginia still. this is in Virginia still okay. I spent like all day going uphill and I saw other bikers who were preparing to do the Transamerica Trail that would like bike they've like I've done like 70 miles today they had all these heavy books like they would get the backpack for the bike and put a bunch of heavy books in it yeah. to train and they're like oh you're doing it and I'm like yeah I didn't you've ridden more than me though I didn't train and I, Hayden told me before he dropped me off, he's like, you have way too much stuff. Like, you need to get rid of some stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'll get rid of it soon. And I remember I did get rid of, like, a bag of cliff bars. The bag. <laughs> and 
I left it in a spot where I knew other bikers would find yeah. it. But I didn't want to give up any of my things, you know? Okay. So, but like at that time, I didn't have a laptop, I didn't have a camera, I didn't have, it was like clothes and like all these survival tools I thought I needed. Um, I have to say, we just passed the science at home of Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie, he's like, um, like, you know, like a folklorist, or folk singing icon. Oh! He's like the person that, like, uh, I guess, really inspired Bob Dylan to do his music oh. in the beginning, you know? Well, how do you feel about that, Bob? It's pretty cool, because, um, I'm a big Woody Guthrie fan. He has a song about, um... Donald Trump's um, father. That's really good. Yeah. If anyone ever wants to listen to that one, <laughs> I think I've heard that one. Yeah. And, and we're in Oklahoma still, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Continue. That was okay. Well, there's a cool thing about Oklahoma. Yeah. See, we, we were that. asking. Now we know. Yes. Um. Over that. Okay. So he dropped me off Blue Ridge Parkway. I'm biking up. I'm dying. I'm riding with other bikers who are training for the Blue Ridge that are way more serious and skilled than I am, that have been like biking their whole lives. Then, this person had just left me. They're like, oh, at the top of this hill that we were like, it's like I was slowly walking up the hill. I was pedaling and standing up. My calves were burning. It was awful. And it's like I didn't even take in a lot of the beauty of the Blue Ridge Parkway because it was so uphill on that section that it literally took hours and hours. It was all day. So this person literally just left me, That I, this bike buddy that I had made. They're like, okay, I'm going back home now. Like, good luck, you know, have a nice life. Things you say yeah. to people when you just <laughs> meet them. And then, <clears throat> so they turn around, they're going home. I start at the top of this hill. And I'm like, this is a really steep hill, but I couldn't see the bottom of it because it turned. Mm-hmm. It like went around curves and so I started going down the hill and it started getting I, I had a meter like a speedometer on my bike that told me how fast I was going yeah hit 20 hit 30 miles per hour I'm like oh this isn't good I'm going down a really steep hill and I cars are coming up the other side and it's getting dark so I started to try to put my brakes on a lot by the time that I'm doing it I'm going like 45 miles per hour down this hill Ooh. And I swear to you that my, I had never felt so much pain in my hands. I was, had my hands clamped down on both brakes. The bike was not stopping. Like, as hard as I could do, like, I felt like my fingers were going to break off if I, any harder, yeah. tried to hit the brakes. So it was like, I had too much weight. I started going too fast. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to go down hills. And... I literally couldn't stop and my feet were clipped in and I already had a hard time getting like stopping regularly yeah and I was going so fast cars were coming up the opposite way I was trying to make the turns I was barely making the turns down this windy road and then I barely made a turn like I almost went off the side of the road and a car came at me I felt very close to death honestly yeah I was so scared and I thought oh well this is where I die. Like, good job, Kaylin. You really did it this time. 
and so I closed my eyes. Decision to just close my eyes, and whatever happened happened because oh, it was out of my control. At that you just point. Say it's done. Yeah, I closed my oh. eyes, and then so while I closed my eyes, I must have I crossed the road, jumped a ditch, ran face first into a tree. It smashed the front. My handles were all smashed up, and it smashed the front tire. My helmet flew off. My feet came out of the clips. My iPod, I very clearly remember, flew out of my bag, cracked the whole front of the screen. Um, my This orange bag that I have in the van with us that my clothes are in, it came open. And my clothes went everywhere. Um, and I, like, my head really hurt, so I closed my eyes for a little bit. And when I opened them, I, like, assessed all the damage. And it was getting dark. And I was like bleeding. A stick had gone through, I still have the shirt, a stick had gone through my back somehow. Like not through my back, but through my shirt mm -hmm. and ripped a hole through like the shirt that I was wearing. And I, I might still have a scar on my back. I had a scar for a really long time where it like gashed through my skin. And oh my gosh. So I was like dizzy and I was like out of it. And so I got up. I tried to get all my things together. My bike obviously wouldn't work. And I was very close to Wytheville, Withville, I think. I think that was the town. I think I remember. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure if I looked at a map, that would be it. And I was like, Tim, I was like five miles from town at this point. I was almost to where I was going to stay. So I got up. And I tried, I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna thumb it into town because this isn't gonna work anymore. So cars would pass me and pretend like they didn't see me. It was a very, like, it was very obvious that I was there, Yeah. you know? I was like crying, I was bleeding, I was all dirty. And then finally this old lady pulls over and she rolls down the window and I'm in a panic. I'm like, I really need help, I really need help, whatever. And again, I didn't have service. And she's like, well, my grandson's a firefighter. I don't feel comfortable with you getting into my car, but I'll send him out here. So it's getting dark. So I'm like, okay. I'm like in a dizzy haze. So I sit back down on this rock. I wait like 30 minutes. You know, I check the time, like waiting for him to come. I probably waited for like 45 minutes. No one was coming. No one came ever. Oh. So then the next car comes by. It's another old lady. She stops. She rolls down the window. And I'm like saying all this stuff, whatever. And then I realized that she's deaf. And she's like trying to sign to me. And I didn't know what she was saying. And she got frustrated and then she just drove away. Oh God. And then it's getting real dark and the flies are starting. I remember specifically see a fly like land on one of my bloody things mm -hmm. and like trying to suck up whatever. And I'm like, oh, I need to go somewhere. And finally this family pulls up and like some SUV. They were so nice. They were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? They threw my bike in the back. They put me in the back seat between their two kids' booster seat. Like, it's real tight. They had little kids. And I'm, like, crying. And they're like, oh, we'll take you into town. We live there. We're on our way. So I'm in the back of these people's, like, tight space SUV. Both of their kids are in booster seats on either side of me. Like, crying. And the kids are like, hey, what's your name? You like to bike? I like to bike. Telling me all about their bikes. I remember specifically the one kid was like, is that your bike? It's really broken. We'll buy you a new one. And like all the stuff they're telling me about their lie. Like the little kids are going on and on. 
and the parents are like, do you need to go to ho a hospital? And I had no idea that I had insurance at the time. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. Like, I feel fine. I didn't want to have to pay for it because I couldn't. And then I didn't know that you could go and not pay or I didn't know that you could have insurance. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine, even though I didn't feel good. And they took me into town and they knew the owner of a hotel downtown that was right next to a bike shop. Okay. That was like 0.2 miles from a bike shop. So they went in and talked to their friend, got me a room for free that night, left me at the hotel. So I remember calling my mom crying and I was like, ah, and I was like looking at my scars in the mirror, like all my gashes. And I was like cleaning them up, taking a shower. And my bike was like out back behind the hotel all crumpled up. I'm like, no one's going to steal it because it looks like trash now. And um, then I walked to the bike shop the next day, left the hotel, and I was like, okay, I have $200. I need my bike fixed. And this guy, it was like an older guy. He was so cranky. Like people were like going in and out of his shop and he was so cranky to everyone. And then he's like, fine, I'll do your bike. Like, go away and come. I'll come back at this time. So I went away. I came back. And then he had worked on my bike. Like, I had to get a new tire, all this stuff. And it, I remember it was like 160 some dollars. So I had the Visa gift card. And I had asked if he, had taken, if he would take cards. And he said yes. So I go to pay for it. He goes, I don't accept Visas. I don't accept gift cards. And I was like, okay, I'm sorry, but it's literally all that I have right now. And he was like, well, I'm sorry, you can't have your bike until you pay. And I did all this work and you have to pay for it now. And I was like, can you please just like try it? It runs like a normal car. And he was like, I'm not trying it. Like he was like really grumpy, wouldn't try it. So I went outside and I called my mom and I was crying and she said, what? You won't even try it? She hung up on me. And then I heard the phone ring to the bike shop because she knew where I was. And I heard him answer. And then I saw his face like, his eyebrows went up, like he was listening. I could hear my mom on the phone. Like, you know, just going at him because he was, he was really rude. And you know, he was like rude to other people going in and out. And, um, then he's like <sighs> he's like did the defeated sigh yeah. and he ran the gift card and it worked perfectly <laughs> um but i remember i was like oh gosh that's my mom's voice yeah. <laughs> um so yeah that's how i got my bike fixed and that was most of the money on the gift card um i think that i remember it was like 160 165 dollars or something okay. wow. um so yeah, that was the first like major section of the biking experience. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. The, I feel like um, really intense. I could see how you'd, you'd still be kind of, I guess, a little discouraged. Yeah. Um, and a little like scared and maybe just kind of like, I don't know if I could right? I mean, it, yeah. it seems like everything so far is that, has not really maybe been like, kind of as romantic or no. as, as maybe you, you thought it, it would be. 
It looked so romantic before I left. Yeah. And seeing people doing it with such grace, like this person that yeah. you were um, following mm-hmm. for such a long time. And even hearing Hayden's stories, you know. Yeah. Just like all this romanticism. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I like, I, I kind of enjoy hearing the full um, uncensored, raw versions of... <laughs> of people's travels yeah and even though they're 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 not as um I mean they don't sound as maybe like pretty or as others Mm -hmm. like or as graceful as people that might I feel like it's like you gotta be censoring your story to a certain degree you know Mm -hmm. um I feel like they're kind of comforting in another in a, in a weird way to me because it, it shows like just this human going out <laughs> into the world and like you know just kind of like allowing humanings yeah to be vulnerable and to you know commit to this kind of like this unknown like all this exploration and to, to take risks and, and really like experience life and um, yeah so I mean I, mean, I kind of like the the role yeah. of that you know um, mm-hmm. and even though like you almost died yeah it sounds like like it almost sounds like you like you sh- almost should have died in that mm-hmm. like the situation your bike accident and all these other things that happened it's it's odd because it almost like when you say all these things it almost makes me feel like like more empowered to do them myself yeah you know because it's not just like this person that's just this expert person that's going out and just like like just you know just slay in the road like yeah it's like everything's so easy and blah 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 and you can do you know what i mean it's like no it's it's, yeah. it's hard and i yeah. i imagine as as your your trip progressed and hopefully we'll, we'll continue uh, <laughs> yeah uh, maybe we'll grab a bite to eat before we continue but, yes I'm hungry yeah but I imagine as your trip progresses I think we'll see that that you learn right yeah I mean you, you become more confident uh kinda in some ways <laughs> <laughs> with biking though like after that I was so traumatized that if I was even on like a seven foot hill I would literally get off I would have to make sure I saw the bottom and would walk my bike down every hill yeah almost every hill yeah so there's um, some trauma there yeah the confidence never went back with the bikes to be honest I'm still really afraid to go down hills on bikes but you and I have taken some some fun bike rides together and I was a little scared you're a little scared yeah. when I even when I shouldn't have been even when you know but I feel like we had fun though we did on our on our small oh I love biking yeah it's just like biking across the US on busy highways and huge hills is like a whole nother monster yeah you know well it's interesting because it also shows like your adaptability <laughs> yeah and maybe that that might be kind of a takeaway for people that want to travel um that like it's important to to um to try mm-hmm. and then to adapt yeah um, because it does maybe like okay well biking 
across the country on my bike is not my thing. Like, it yeah. might, you know, like it works for other people, but like, um, I almost died. I'm traumatized. Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, so now it's like, I'm going to adapt. I'm, but you didn't stop there. It's not like you stopped and went home, right? No, I didn't. Well, I should say this too, because my mom was so like, you know, the rock in this because... You know, I called her that one time, blah, blah, blah. Even before I left on the trip, Gabe was actually heading out on part of the... I'm pretty sure it was part of the Transamerica or another bike trail that was close. And with his friends, and he offered for me to go with him to, like, start my trip with them since they had done it and he was good at biking. And I was considering it, and I told my mom, and she was like, well, isn't this whole thing so you can go by yourself? Like, didn't you want to go by yourself and experience it? And I was like, yeah. And my dad was like, no, 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 go with them. Like, don't listen to your mom. You should go with them. It's a lot safer. Like, yeah. you know, go. And he was like, go with these men, you know. Yeah. Go with these guys that will keep you safe. And, you know, not exactly in that way. But I know he was thinking, like, go with a group. Go with these yeah. guys. He's like the protector. Yeah, he, go he, with he, these people who know what they're doing. And my mom was like, no. So I ended up telling Gabe no. And so throughout this whole thing, my mom was like very like, you just, you told, yeah, like, but also very like, well, I'm not help, like, I'll call this guy, but you're not coming, I'm not coming to pick you up. Yeah. Like, I'll call the guy in the bike shop and yell at him, but I'm not going to come get you. Yeah. Um, Kind of did what you asked. Yeah. Like, that you wanna, you, you kind of almost felt like you had something to prove. Yeah, I did, because that's what I was going to say. Uh, the lesson that I learned from that and it goes into adaptability was that I wanted to prove that I could bike across the country all by myself and that I could physically bike every single mile. I wanted yeah. to say I did the whole Transamerica. And as you've heard in the story, in the first few days, I realized that I would probably die because I'm not very good at it, you know? And it was also learning in the first few days, so I did get better. But it's just like not the thing for me. And, um, so that isn't to say that I didn't bike more because I did, but I had so much fun when I was at Hayden's house with the wedding and all that stuff that I told myself, like, I had to sit down and be like, okay, this was my goal, but how much more fun am I going to have if I am open to other things that I don't have to bike every single mile that if I go off the trail, I don't have to backtrack. Yeah. And so much of, I feel like too like a lot of traveling I mean it's also just nice to um, some of the more special memories I guess are just are just the amazing people that you meet along the way yeah oh yeah Uh, and you know where you might just be kind of settled down for for a few days or something and and with these just incredible people that you know Mm -hmm. each other's lives that like you know that little moment there yeah which was so special to me than like rolling through a day on my own yeah. trying to you know prove something to myself or other people um, so I think that was how I adapted from that whole experience was like one help is gonna come in the weirdest of ways if it comes and you know that's okay and accept that because you're going to return it in other ways and two like it is okay to completely veer off from your plans 
and do what feels best to you, which I felt really bad about. I felt really guilty, you know, yeah. for not doing every single mile already within the first few days. Like, already called the police, already got in a crash. Yeah. But I was like, you know what, this is like, can be physically dangerous. I'm not yeah. in any shape to like continue like right now, you know? So I had to adapt and be like, okay, we got to rethink this plan through because it's not as easy as I thought it would be. Definitely. And sometimes I, I think that it's just, yeah, like about finding kind of like paths that are, are just open to you. You know, like I, I feel like sometimes, um, and this is going to be like one of those, you know, maybe overthinking it moments for me, but like sometimes I, I feel like whenever we're, um, we're traveling or even like kind of our big goals and dreams, you know, mm -hmm. that we start doing them and we're met with like a ton of resistance and then maybe like something else opens up in life, you know, where, where it makes, it, it just, it just flows and like, it might not be like the thing that you thought that you're going to do at first, but, um, you know, like it just, it, it just is there and it's so easy and it's and it's still beautiful you know yeah um and then eventually like the other thing might come back too you know mm -hmm. um and the play i guess sometimes you know like we have all these things that we think we've chosen and like the thing other things are kind of like just choosing us like we almost have to like just do those you mm -hmm. know <laughs> and sometimes they're so much more fun and meaningful yeah and at the same time like that doesn't necessarily mean to take it the, the easy um, way out. You know, I think there's a there's a good balance there. Like you don't like we don't want to just like you know just be working something we hate. Like it's important that that whatever we're doing is you know that we're surrounding ourselves like our space is filled with joy. Yeah, like, that's obviously like really important. Um, but but it can be totally different than what we thought we would think we, where we, we thought we would find joy, I guess, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's totally what happened to me. Yeah, it seems like you're you're really good at, at adapting, and maybe something isn't completely what you thought it was going to be, but you're not so hung up and stubborn that, like, you're able to, to, to be a little bit more malleable. Yeah. And to, to find, like, oh, no, this is actually, like, where I'm happiest, or this is, like, where my... I can have that bubble of joy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes, too, we feel responsible to other people. Because, like, at that point, you know, I fundraised or did the GoFundMe for the bike. And I said I was going to bike across the country. Yeah. And I was like, now I have to do this because it's a public thing that people that know me are watching. There's so like, many layers. Yeah, there's so many layers. But at the end of the day, if those people really care about me, which they do or did then they probably just want you to enjoy yourself and yeah. be safe and have a good time. Yeah. So there's so many layers. I feel like we have to prove it to ourselves. We have to prove to everyone else. Then we have to hold ourselves accountable to what we said, what we think people want from us. And these people are like, uh, oh, I kind of forgot you were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's cool. Yeah, so I guess, um, do you want to stop here? And then maybe we can continue with your your journey across the country mm -hmm. um, after we eat. <laughs>
we get some food in our bellies. Get some food. Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us insignificance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life they're not completely happy with mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society Definitely. or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm -hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>